0: Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast and the series, What's Gained. This week, our big idea is what's gained? Contentment. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Welcome to Valley Point Church and the Sunday Before Christmas and there is certainly an energy and a buzz in the air while we all anticipate what's coming. I'm really glad you're here as we think through another word and another symbol that should and can describe Christmas. And that word for today is contentment. I gotta tell you, I'm content with my Christmas because I've already opened up a gift. I have. My family and Tanya, my wife's family, don't live close to here, and so we have to be creative with how we give and exchange gifts. And so we've already done that, and I have received one gift. Now, for those of you who are traditionalists, I know that probably bothers you, but just deal with it, okay? I've opened up one gift, and I'm very content with it, I am very happy. The one gift I received this year is a new pair of slippers. Aren't they amazing? Oh, come on, aren't they amazing? Now, let me tell you something about these slippers. I love them. And they are incredible, and I have worn them from the moment that I opened the gift, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something about crossing the 40 threshold, but I feel that my feet are perpetually cold all of the time, even in the middle of the summer. And so I've got to wear socks, and I've got to wear slippers, and I am so excited about these slippers. They have changed my life. And I'm telling you, I'm content with this gift. Very content. I love my slippers. I was actually very content with this gift until I began to realize that Christmas is coming in a few days, and I should be getting something else besides just a pair of slippers. I have six kids. I've been paying for them for a long time. (laughs) Certainly, they're going to give me something. And I found myself actually becoming full of angst and even a little bit of anger in regards to what I may or may not receive. I hope I'm not the only one who does this throughout the Christmas season. Throughout the month of December, here's what we've been doing at Valley Point. We've been looking at words and symbols that answer the question, What's gained? So, another Christmas is here. And there will be parties and celebrations and the giving and the receiving of gifts, all of these things that normally happen. And we've just been trying to say, what's gained with all of that one more time? I mean, who really cares? What's gained? Well, we've been attempting to answer that, and so far we have said there are a few things that are gained and can be gained from yet another Christmas. One of the things we said is that generosity can be gained from Christmas, and the symbol attached to that word is the star of Bethlehem, and God uniquely used that star to guide the magi, the wise men, to God's ultimate gift of generosity, which was the Christ child. And when the wise men saw the Christ child, they were inspired to be generous as well. And the challenge for all of us is to consider what kind of generosity is God looking for from us? In the season of more, what about opening our hands and giving without expecting anything in return? And so what's gained from yet another Christmas? Well, an opportunity to be generous. Well, last week we talked about how there's something else that's gained from Christmas, and that's memories. And the symbol attached to that is the clock, which is a representation of time. And when we look back in time, we can see how God has worked in and through us. And when we view our lives through that lens, we have the chance to build memories or memorials around what God has done not what I've done or what I feel I may have missed out on, but I can actually look at the significant things that God has done for me and lift that up. And those are all memories that last and they cannot be taken away from me. So what's gained from another Christmas? Ah, Memories. That's what's gained. Well, there's still something else to be gained. And so here's our big idea for today. What's gained? Contentment. And we're going to spend our time unpacking that. And the symbol attached to that is the dove, which historically has been the symbol of peace or a feeling of contentment. Now, that might seem a bit Counterculture, especially this time of the year when it's all about more and we tend to focus on that and kind of shove contentment into the closet but we shouldn't do that and we don't have to do that and so here's what i want us all to consider if i didn't receive any material items for this christmas would i and could i be content with that Or here's another way to phrase it. Is there anything to be gained from maybe gaining nothing at all? What's gained? Well, I want to spend the rest of my time answering that question and pulling some thoughts from Scripture that I believe will help us walk through this week with a great sense of contentment. And so if you have a Bible or a device with you, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 9. You can also take your device and scan the QR codes in your program, and that'll bring up all of the scripture and all of the notes for today. So, Isaiah chapter 9, this is where we're going to camp out for a bit. While you're finding that, let me share this with you. Isaiah is an Old Testament book written by a guy named Isaiah, who was a prophet. What's a prophet? Well, a prophet was an individual used by God to communicate his message, God's message to his people. He was basically a communication specialist. He was a spokesperson for God. And God would find these different prophets and come to them and say, look, I want you to share this message with my people. You're going to be my voice. And sometimes those messages were filled with a lot of hope and they were good news types of messages. Other times, they were moments where God needed to chastise and discipline his people. And so he would come to the prophet, to the individual, and say, Here's what I want you to deliver to my people. Here's what I want you to give them. That's kind of the job description. And Isaiah was one of those prophets. Another word that was used to describe these individuals was a seer. And a seer was an individual who could see spiritual insights from God that then he would pass on to God's people. So this is Isaiah. He's a prophet, and he is a seer. He's a spokesperson for God, and he's going to be given a message to deliver to God's people on God's behalf. There's something else that we need to know about Isaiah which makes him very interesting. And that is he lived a hard life. I mean, he lived a very hard life. And when you look at the opening chapters of Isaiah, you discover that he was going to have a very difficult task in front of him. Now, one would think that being a prophet, being a seer, being the one who delivers the message of God would be very glamorous. I mean, people would gather and they would want to know what you would have to say they would be interested and perhaps their lives would change as they line up and become obedient to God. And that all sounds fun and enjoyable, but that wasn't always the case with these different prophets. And that's what we discover with Isaiah. It's got a hard life. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah chapter six, God comes to Isaiah and He pulls up a chair, so to speak, and he says, Isaiah, let's have a little conversation here because I've got something that I need you to do for me. I've got a message that I want to deliver to the people, and it's going to be a message of hope. It's going to be good news, and so that's kind of a favorable thing for you to think about, but I want you to go, and I want you to deliver this message to the people, and I think at that point, Isaiah was probably like, well, that's great. That sounds wonderful, but then God looked at Isaiah and said, here's the deal, though. Like, here's what you need to know, Isaiah. No one's going to listen to you, and no one is going to care about anything that you say at all. You're going to talk, and you're going to deliver this message of hope that I am giving to you. These are my words. You're going to deliver them. Nobody's going to care, and nobody's going to listen. Sounds like a great opportunity, doesn't it? But yet that's what's given to Isaiah and what we discover is that he talked to the people and nobody cared and nobody listened. As a matter of fact, they got so tired of Isaiah that from history we discover that they murdered him. Like we're kind of done with this guy. Let's be a stranger to him. Let's just take him out. We don't want to listen to him anymore at all. That's the life of Isaiah. A hard life. But yet he was obedient to God and he delivers this message of hope in a time where there wasn't a lot of hope to be found at all. The economy was down. Their hometown Eagles had just come off of three straight losses. Their hometown 76ers were 2 and 23. Oh wait, that's actually all happening right now. Well, anyway, Isaiah's got this tough job, but yet he steps through it. And so now we come to Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to begin with verse 6. Here's what it says. Four. Four. And before we read anything else, we're just going to pause right there because that is a very important word. And often we would look at that word and just continue to read because it's a small word and it doesn't seem to have a lot of significance. But yet in the construction of this verse here, it is a connecting word. And so when you see a connecting word, you have to ask, what is that word connecting us to? Because that's going to help us to understand what follows. And so what the word for in verse 6 is connecting us to is the first five verses in chapter 9, which we're not going to take time to read, but here's what's happening. Again, God's having the conversation with Isaiah. I need you to deliver a message And let the people know that they're not always going to have to walk around in darkness. And they will be able to experience joy. So this is the good news that you get to deliver, Isaiah. And I want you to say to them that a bright light is coming. So things are down. The economy is down. Teams are losing. They're walking around in darkness. There's a lot of fear and unrest. But a bright light is coming. And scholars tell us that that bright light is a reference to the advent of Jesus. So picture this now. You've got God the Father saying, hang in there, everybody. Be patient. Continue to obey Don't turn your backs on me because you're not going to have to walk in darkness forever. A bright light is coming. And so Isaiah delivers this and he tries to get the people who aren't tuning in and aren't listening to have faith in God. That's four. It's connecting us to the fact that God said a bright light is coming. And now we get a further description. Here's the rest of the verse. It says, a child is born to us. A son is given to us. That's a reference to Jesus. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And this is a reference to the child, to Jesus, and how he will be a king. Not only will he be a king, he will be a powerful king. He will be a passionate king. And he will be a wise leader. And we know that because of what comes next. And so God is setting Isaiah up and telling him, for a bright light is coming and a child is going to be born. He will be a king. Now, Isaiah, I want you to describe him this way. And God gives some names to Isaiah that he wanted him to communicate to the people. And this is what we find. This king, this great light will be called Wonderful Counselor. Which means that Jesus will take on the role of being an exceptional counselor. They will be words that we will listen to and remember. Which is fascinating because even today we look at and we read the words of Jesus and we grasp for them. It's because he's a wonderful counselor, he's skilled. There's more though, he will also be called Mighty God which means that this baby is more than just an infant. He's more than just an individual who will grow and become a good guy. He will be the mighty God, the mighty king. And we can actually hide behind him. There's security and stability there. So he's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He will also be called everlasting father. Which means that unlike earthly kings who come and rule for just a short time, his rule will be everlasting. It will not end. And as a father, he will love endlessly. He's the everlasting father. And then finally we discover this. He's the prince of peace which is a great title, it means that he's the one who will come and make peace possible between God and people. In other words, this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, he will initiate peace for us on our behalf. He's the one who will make us right with God. That word peace there is kind of fascinating and interesting. It comes from the Hebrew word shalom. And here's what it means. It has the idea of completeness or safeness or contentment. So we could say Jesus is the prince of peace. He's the prince of contentment or safeness. Or he's the prince of completeness. What's the word that's actually being used here in verse 6? Well, I think it's all three. Because when you think about it, Jesus does bring completeness and safeness and contentment. That's who he is, and that's what he does. So I want you to think about this. This is kind of the whole deal right here. So if you've drifted and you're thinking about gifts or food or slippers or whatever, I want you to come back for a moment because these are descriptions of Jesus. And these names reveal his character to us, how he acts and how he behaves. Have you ever wondered about Jesus? Have you ever tried to describe him? Well, you can actually describe him this way these are his names, but it's more than just a name and a title, it reveals what's inside of him, it reveals his character. I have three sons, and I'm going to pick on one of them now, because whenever I'm asked to describe my sons, I love to do that, and normally I can think about some different things to share. So I'm going to pick on my youngest son, Caden, and you can see his picture there. Isn't he cute? Yeah, he sure is. My older two sons would never allow me to put their pictures on the screen. So I didn't ask Caden's permission. I just did it. So let me, let me describe Caden to you because he's one of my sons. He's important to me. He's valuable. So Caden is eight years old. He's in second grade. He's got blonde hair and blue eyes. Looks nothing like me, <laughs> which is probably good. He looks like his mother. He's four foot something, and he is a great kid. I love Caden. And if we were to take some more time, I could describe to you what he likes and what he doesn't like and the things that frighten him and the things that bring him a lot of joy. I could give you so much information about Caden that it would bore you to death. But I wouldn't care about that at all because he's my son, and I love him. And I care about him, and he's special to me. And so I would describe him in particular ways that not only paint a picture of what he looks like, but would also describe a bit of his character. Now Let's get serious for a moment. Because God has the conversation with Isaiah. And he says, look, Isaiah, I have a son. And he's very special to me. And I love him deeply and he is incredible and amazing. And I'm going to send him into the world and he's going to pay the price for everybody's sins. He's going to be the answer. He will be incredible. And I'm going to describe him to you now with some different names. So sit up, Isaiah, get your sharpest pencil or whatever they wrote with back in the day and record this because I want you to pass it on to other people. And I want you to let them know, here's my son, here's who he is, and here's what he looks like. Here's his character. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace or contentment. Oh, and get this, verse 7. It says, his government and its peace will never end. That word peace there comes from the same Hebrew word used in the title of Jesus. And so we could say that the peace of Jesus or his government and its peace, its completeness, its safeness, its contentment will never end. We could call Jesus the prince of contentment. So I want you to just to push everything out of your mind for a moment. I want you to think about this. If you have Jesus, if you have trusted in him alone to save you, then you've got it all. You've got everything you need. Because he is our wonderful counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, prince of peace and even if I don't get anything else materially in my hands I can live in the land of contentment because through Jesus I am rich with God's gifts and I can let contentment rule in my life by the way if you've never trusted in Jesus alone to save you then you can and you should you should do that because this is where contentment comes from. This is where we find it. Okay, back to the slippers. Here they are. And I'm standing before you to say that if, if I don't get anything else for Christmas, even if nothing else gets put in my hands than this, then I can and I should be content They are great slippers. But even if this is it, I should be content because in Jesus, I have it all. I have it all. And nothing else is really needed. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. So in light of that and the slippers that you may or may not receive, let me share three very simple takeaways with you. Here's number one. This is actually from the first week of the series, and I want to review it because I think it's appropriate, and that is watch your Christmas appetites. Again, this is the season of more and the season of discontent. And so we need to watch our Christmas appetites and make sure they don't get away from us and allow our Christmas appetites to push us into the place of contentment. And here's how you can do that. It's takeaway number two, and that is get a big view of God. And you don't have that? Or that view has become really small all of a sudden because you're letting everything else grow around you, then just get a really big view of God and what he's done for you and what he's given to you. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. If you have Jesus, you have that. You're rich with the gifts of God. So get that big view of God and allow that to bring you into that place of contentment. Even if nothing else arrives. And then thirdly, use this contentment prayer throughout the week. Especially when you get a pair of slippers and you're really happy about that and content. And then you look out the window and you see your neighbor has one of those new shiny cars with a big red bow on it. (laughs) Right? And all of a sudden slippers look really meaningless and silly. So when that happens, right, use the contentment prayer. Which tells us this. God, you have given me all that I need. Thank you. And just say it over and over and over again until you believe it. God, you've given me all that I need. Thank you. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Christmas is a few days away. It's close. And what's gained? I think generosity can be gained. And I think memories can be gained. And I think contentment can be gained. Even if all we have is a pair of slippers, we've got it all in Jesus. Father, we stand before you on this day where we're thinking about the advent of Jesus. And we're going to celebrate that fully in just a few days. And God, it's exciting. It's fun. Often we allow that... uh, Become the priority, though. And we allow that to become the big focus. And all of a sudden, it's about more. Even if we're not really thinking about that, we're still consumed with that. And even being a little discontent with what we may have or may not get. So, God, I pray that you'd help us to use this time right here just to focus a little bit and to remind ourselves That if we've trusted in Jesus, we've got it all. And is there something to be gained from gaining nothing at all materially? Absolutely there is. It's a reminder that in Jesus we have a wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. And the Prince of Contentment. The Prince of Peace. So God, I pray that you would help that to drive our celebrations over the next few days. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe you've allowed some distractions into the season right now. And as you think about what's coming and what's about to happen, it's not about contentment. It's about events and time and checking things off and getting this done and wrapping this and cooking this and all of that. Would you just take a moment right here in the quietness of this hour and say, God, I will be content with the gift of Jesus. Just talk to him about that for a moment. Maybe you're here and you're understanding that God has given something to you in the person of Jesus. And maybe you know as you're here this morning that you've never trusted in the gift of Jesus alone to save you. You've just never done that for whatever reason. But right now you're sensing you want that gift, that wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of contentment to be a part of your life and to be your forever friend so that you can be rich with the gift of God. Then I wanna encourage you, if that's how you're feeling and you're ready to trust in him alone from your heart to God's ears in the quietness of this moment, just say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know it. God knows that too, but he loves to hear that from us. Tell him, you know, you've messed up. You know, you've done some things wrong. And tell him right now that you want to turn from that and trust in Jesus alone to rescue you from the mess of life. Just tell him that. And invite him to come into your life and to be your leader. Thank him for the gift of Jesus and what he's given to you. For rescuing you. For picking you up. For lifting you up. For doing something for you that you never could have done on your own. Just thank God for that gift that you've trusted in. And I want to say to you, if that's something you've done for the very first time, I think that's the greatest choice you could ever make in life to reach out for the hand of Jesus and to embrace that and to trust that. And you have a forever friend who will never leave you through all of the ups and downs. Life's not going to be perfect, but through all of the ups and downs, you've got this wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of contentment. He's with you. And I think your celebration this year will be brighter than ever because of the gift of Jesus. Congratulations. And so God, we just step into your presence here again, and we're so grateful for what you have done for us. God, again, we get sidetracked a lot. We look at things and and we want more. And certainly that happens this time of the year, maybe more than any other. God, we want to stand before you content in what you have done for us and to say, we are rich in Jesus. And if we've got Jesus, we've got it all. We've got it all. So for those who have trusted in you for the very first time today, God, I pray that you would encourage them to share that with somebody. And may they really sense you walking with them every step of the way. Bless us as we continue to respond to you in this moment. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 915 or 11 a.m.